You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. It was a Maitza that took place in Warsaw about 150 years ago. There was a Rav or Rebbe who wasn't yet a Rebbe. His name was the Chedushi Arim, Rabbi Yitzhak Mayer, who eventually was going to be the first Ger Rebbe. And the Maisa goes, is brought down a number of Svarim. Um, this Maisa, without all the details, is brought down in the Sefer Eretz Tzvi, the Kajlagavar's Sefer that we, uh, talked, we talked about him uh, a few days ago. And the story is that um, there was a father and the son, they were walking home from Shul on Leil Pesach, and they were ready to go to their Seder. And uh, the son was told the father he didn't have a chance to talk, uh, it was a busy day. Our Pesach was a very busy day. The son tells the father he's very excited because that afternoon, uh, early that afternoon, he was able to make it to one of the baking, uh, in one of the bake shops uh, where they bake matzahs. And he bakes some matzahs. He bakes some matzahs. Now, this was a boy who was about 11 years old. And he told his father he's very excited. He baked the matzahs and he put the matzahs together with the matzahs that the family put them in the same box with the, with the family's matzahs. So the father realized that he had a Shiloh on his hand. The reason why he had a Shiloh is because we know that matzahs have to be baked lishma. Anybody's ever been in a, a matzah factory. So uh, every time the, the the workers start to roll the matzah, so they say the shame matzos mitzvah. That's they made lishma. Generally speaking, we assume that a cut on someone under bar mitzvah does not have the capacity to create something in halacha that requires lishma. A cotton cannot write a safe Torah because the safe Torah has to be written lishma. So uh, perhaps this was a real issue. Can a cotton bake matzahs? And the answer to this question and related questions will eventually get us to hopefully to discuss machine matzahs as well. Cotton baking matzahs is not so halachalamai. So although this year we were planning to take a trip to uh, a matzah bakery, a small matzah bakery in the um, in the back of of a person's house somewhere in Monroe. We've been there before. And what we do differently than most other chaburas is we have the kids bake the matzahs and we just tell the kids. Um, and we tell the families, uh, you know, don't eat the matzahs at the Seder. You can eat the matzahs throughout, uh, throughout the week of Pesach, but you can't eat them at the Seder. We'll have to get to why we say that in a few minutes. But let's just first discuss this matzah. So this father realizes that his son's matzahs, his son was under our mitzvah, his matzahs are mixed together with his matzahs, which were made properly, made lishma. So uh, he wasn't sure what to do. Can, can you eat the matzahs? He doesn't know which ones are made by those who were under bar mitzvah and which matzahs were made by those which were made by people over bar mitzvah. They were made properly. So he went to the Chedushi Arim. The Chedushi Arim was uh, a younger man at the time. He was in Warsaw. He went to the Chedushi Arim. He told him the Shiloh. He says, are you allowed? To, am I allowed to use the matzahs? So what, what's the Shiloh? Are you allowed to use the matzahs? There's certain matzahs in this mix. Some of them are probably not kosher for the Seder because it was made by someone under Bar Mitzvah. And some of the matzahs are, most of the matzahs are kosher for uh, matzah's mitzvah, for the Seder. So can you, uh, can you use them? I, I don't, so, so the Chedush was thinking and thinking. And he said, okay, I'm just, he, I'm sure he didn't think too long, but he, the Shiloh that came to him was, the issue that came to him was, can you say bittel in such a case? Can you say that the matzahs that are not kosher of Pesach, now certainly they're obviously not chametz. They're obviously just matzah. There's no problem in terms of eating them. They're not going to be eating chametz. There's no chametz there. But can you say that these are matzah smitzvah? Were they made 
Mishem Mitzvah to be able to be Yoytza, the Mitzvah of Matzah with these Matzahs. So the Kedush Erem said, well, maybe we can say Bittal Barov. Rov of the Matzahs are kosher for Pesach, are kosher for the Seder. So maybe you should be able to say that the other Matzahs that are not kosher for the Seder, I should be able to use them all because the Miyot is Bittal in the Rov. The, 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 the minority is buckle and the majority. We know that this is true. All over Shas, we have the concept of Pitavarov. The Gemara says in Beis Gimel that if you have a non-kosher egg that becomes mixed with two kosher eggs, and in, you can't discern between which ones are the kosher ones and which ones are the non-kosher ones. So the law is that you can eat all three of them. That's called Pitavarov. Rashi tells us, we learn that from Achri Rabim, Lahatos, that's how we know Pitavarov. So the Chedush Arim was wondering, can you say that here as well? But the truth is, Chedush Arim said he's not so sure. Why? Because it could be, and this is already a discussion, in the Onag Yamtiv and other Achronim. And as I was learning a number of months ago, I was learning Mitzach Tzvachim. If you take a look at Mitzach Tzvachim, if you take a look in the Rashi and the Tosvas and the Meshitim of you'll see that this is a Machokas there as well. And the issue is as follows. When you say Bittl, can Bittl only take something that's a problem and remove a problem? You have something that's treif. So if you have a piece of chazer or some chazer schmaltz that falls into cholin. So the Allah is, since there's only a little bit of the chazer that falls into a lot of cholin, so we say that the chazer, it's like it's not there. The whole chazer disappears. So long as you have rove of the cholin, or in this case, if you have 60 times more of the cholin, so you're allowed to eat the whole cholin. You don't have to worry about eating the chazer. The whole thing is bottled. He says, maybe Bittl only works to remove a problem, but to create a mila, to create something that requires lishma, the lashon of the onagyamtiv is to be most of a mila, not just to remove a chesaron, but to be most of a mila, maybe we don't say Bittl Barov. So here, it's not enough that you, it's not that we're being the battle chametz, we're trying to say that these matzahs that were not made lishma, maybe we should be able to eat them anyway based on Bittl, and be able to eat all of them and, and make, make it as if they were all made lishma. So the Chiddush was not convinced. So he told the person that asked the question, he goes, go to the Rav of the town and ask him, go to the Morahara. Now there are different versions of the story, and we're not exactly sure who the Morahara, who the Posek of Warsaw, of this part of Warsaw, or of all of Warsaw, who was the Posek at the time? Some say it was the Tferes Yaakov, which is difficult because the Tferes Yaakov was only the Rav of Warsaw, I think, after the Chiddush passed away. So that would make the story quite impossible. Um, or maybe he passed away before the Chodesh, I'm not exactly sure of the years, but some say it was either the Tzvaris Yaakov, or maybe it was the Chem Shlomo, maybe it was Rav Zemel Kapfish, or different uh, versions. But either way, this person went to the Rav of the town, the Postik of Warsaw. And a few, minutes la- a few minutes later, he came back to the Chodesh Arim, and he said to the Rebbe, again, he wasn't yet the Rebbe, but he said to the Rebbe, that uh, the Rav said it's 100% mutter, no problem. And he passed him to Shiloh in two minutes. So the Chedush Arim was so excited. He, he wow, he, he wanted to know what, what the Svara was. So he himself got up from his Seder, or maybe it was before the Seder, and he went to the Rav's house, and he said, I want to understand what the, what's the reason, Lahakel, what's the Svara, did he make it? Are you relying on Bittel? I thought there's a Shiloh, whether you say Bittel, the Rav, to add a Milo. We know we can say Bittel, the Rav, to remove a problem. You have something that's Osir and it falls into Heter. So we say that the Heter is Mevatel, the Yisr, and you can eat the whole thing. But who says that you can say Bittel Barov to make something a mitzvah? For example, the Onei Yom has a Shalom. We know that the threads 
that are used for tzitzis have to be spun the shame mitzvah tzitzis. So let's say you have threads that were spun. Some were spun l'shem mitzvah tzitzis, and some were spun shalom l'shem mitzvah They weren't spun l'shem mitzvah tzitzis. So they all get mixed together. And you have about 90% of the tzitzis, of the, of the threads, were made, were spun l'shem mitzvah tzitzis, and 10% were not spun l'shem mitzvah tzitzis. So you want to know, maybe you can use all of them, because if you say bitl barov, so the Yomtev says, I'm not so sure, because... There, you're not just removing a problem. You're adding a milo. You're adding a, a chashivus to something. Maybe bittel doesn't work to add a chashivus. Maybe it only works to remove a problem. And therefore, he wasn't sure. So he, want, so he went to the rabbi and he said, what's the tzad l'hakel? So he says, well, what's the problem? Let's think about this for a second. The dough was needed by an adult. The dough was needed by an adult. What happened was, is that the adult, after he has a big, big, um, maybe five pound or ten pound dough. What he does is he then cuts it up into little pieces. And if you've been at the uh, matzah factories, they throw out those little pieces to the people who are going to be rolling the dough. So he says those little pieces that are cut up, they themselves are already kosher for matzah. Matzah can't be more than a tefach thick, but usually those pieces are almost always less than a tefach thick. Tefach is not that big; it's always less. So that even before you even roll the matzah at all, at that point, if you would take that piece before doing any rolling and throw that into the oven and let it bake for a few minutes, maybe let it, probably let it bake more than two, three minutes because that's what the very thin matzahs, you only have to bake it for two, three minutes. But if you leave it in there for seven, eight, ten minutes, the whole thing will be baked and that's kosher, the Pesach, that's matzah. So the katan, all the katan did was roll the matzah. So this rub, this posik, either the Tferes Yaakov, the Chem, the Shloimo, or Zendel, whoever it was, said that what the Katan did was all, was all mitzvah and amufchor. It was only the shaker. It was only to make the matzah tastier, to make it thinner, to make it nicer. But it was really unnecessary what the Katan did. And because it was unnecessary, therefore, it's not considered like the matzah was not made lishma. It was actually made lishma because the adult who cut up the matzah into its small pieces, he said, he, he said the shame, Matzos mitzvah. And then when he throws it out to the katan, the katan, all the katan is doing is extra. He's not, he doesn't, you don't need lishma on that point. So that was the big chiddush of the posek of Warsaw. The chiddush Yarim heard this psaq. It was very exciting. He said, it's obvious that the posek, this more hurrah, as a giloi, as a special koch menashamayim to be matir. Something called the koch dehetera. That he was shown the true ways of being makil, of being matir in certain situations. We find ourselves nowadays in situations where we need a we people who are big enough to give a kolcha to head because there are six there are we're in we're in a matzah where you need to understand what's a dindaraisa, what's a dindarabanan, what's a minhag, and based on knowing the details of a particular shiloh, that'll allow us to determine whether we have to be machmir in a shasatchak or whether we have to be makel in a shasatchak. But this idea that uh that a katan can roll the dough, can roll the dough, because once you cut it up, that's already a matzah. Everybody understand that point? That's already a matzah. At that point, without doing any rolling at all, if I took that and I made some holes in it, and I threw it into the, into the oven, that would already be kosher le Pesach. So the katan's rolling the dough. Even if he's not having kavana l'shma, it doesn't really matter because we don't need kavana l'shma at that point. Because it's already a kosher matzah. Everything the katan is doing is... Is, uh, is sprinkles on the cake. Now, 
sprinkles on the cake is probably not, not the best muscle to give in the context of making matzah, but you understand what we're saying, and therefore this posek paskin lakula. They tell over that they told this maisa to the Chazanish, she went back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth, and finally he was also masking with this psak. B'shas hatchak, not b'shas, not l'chadchila, b'shas hatchak. If a katan happened to roll the matzahs and it got mixed in with other matzahs, that were kosher l'pesach, he'd be able to eat all of them. Again, not because it's batal barol, but just because the katan by rolling it didn't really add anything, it wasn't necessary, and therefore... Um, that the matzahs themselves were kosher because it was all pretty much from the beginning to the end, except for a little hefsek in the middle, which was not necessary to begin with. Which, of course, reminds us and um, sheds light a little bit on what we always hear about the Yemenite. I haven't seen that the Yemenite make matzahs. They make it much thicker than the Ashkenazi matzahs and the Hasidish matzahs that we make. They make the matzahs very, very thick. This is probably based on that tzak also. The matzahs can't be more than a tapak, but less than that. No one says that they have to be extra, extra, extra thin. It happens to me in our family, we like extra thin matzahs. Last year, we, we weren't able to get the extra thin matzahs, so we drove to, um, we used to get the Papa matzahs. And Papa by us was always the thinnest matzah. We drove to Williamsburg. I got a little lost when I was in Williamsburg. By mistake, instead of parking, I got a back onto the highway back to Manhattan. So I wasted about 45 minutes. Then there was a fire truck. There was a fire. The whole thing took three hours. But that was the last time I got to Williamsburg for matzah. And now I just... But, you know, I just ordered. Besides the fact, I remember with my, one of my, uh, I was with Yehuda, my son Yehuda, and I said he came with me to, to, to go to Williamsburg. I said, you know what? Because he came with me, I'm going to treat you. We're going to go to Gottlieb's restaurant on Roebling Street. Anybody know Gottlieb's restaurant on Roebling? When Gottlieb's on Roebling, I was going to treat him. I drove around for 45 minutes, couldn't find the spot, and we came home. So if you have to drive to Williamsburg for matzah, instead just order it from your local shul, and I guarantee you'll be much happier. But let's get back to the, uh, let's get back to the story. One thing we do learn, one thing we do learn from this entire Misa is that it appears that if a katan were to actually make the whole matzah, not just roll the dough, but let's say the katan was going to knead the dough. He was going to add the water and knead the dough itself. That apparently would not be okay. That would not be okay. The only reason that the, the Pesach in Warsaw thought it was okay is because the katan didn't knead the dough he didn't harvest the dough. He didn't knead the dough. The dough was already kneaded. It was just a matter of the rolling of the dough. So the rolling of the dough, that a cotton, if he did it, it's not going to make it, uh, not going to make it not kosher for Pesach. But if a cotton did the whole thing, the cotton did the whole thing, from beginning to end, if a cotton added the water and did the kneading of the dough also, that seems that that would be an issue. And the question is why? Why would that be an issue? So we've been mentioning throughout this Misa, that the reason why is because Rashi in the Gemara Pesachim on Ben says, based on the Pasuk that says, Ushmartem Esamatzos, you have to guard the Matzos. What does it mean, Ushmartem Esamatzos? The Gemara says if a person wanted to, he can actually go to the store and buy dough that was kneaded by a non Jew and use that dough on Pesach. Now, obviously, we're talking about a case where this dough is not chametz. Where the, 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 the dough, if, if you wait long enough, it'll be, if you don't make it into matzah, if you don't bake it, and if you're not constantly kneading it, that dough is going to turn into chametz. Obviously, we're not talking about eating chametz of a non-Jew. We're talking about that even though the dough had been kneaded by a non-Jew, not a problem at all to eat it on Pesach, so long as it's not chametz. So what does it mean? If it's, if that dough is certainly not made l'shem matzah, l'shem matzah's mitzvah, 
A guy can't have kavana lishma. You never see goyim in the matzah factories. So how can you eat that? How can you eat that matzah? So that's why Rashi says no. All of Pesach, all of Pesach. Is that a little better? Is that a little better? Am I a little more clear? No, not sure. I just got a message to move it a little closer. Maybe is that is that better? Not sure. Wayne, you don't think so? Not sure. All right, I'll keep it where it is. Maybe that's okay. Okay, so <clears throat> let's go back. A cotton who, who who a cotton who needs the matzah, a cotton who needs the matzah is uh, is not kosher for Pesach. Rashi explains that's for Pesach night. The Pesach night at the Seder, when we're yoyed to the mitzvah of matzah, that a guy can't do the kneading. That a Jew, a Bar Hachi, a Bar Chiyuba has to do the kneading. Why? Because the matzah has to be made lishma. Matzah has to be made lishma. Lishma means that the person who's kneading the matzah has to have in mind, I'm kneading this matzah in order for it to be eaten. The shame matzos mitzvah. The shame matzos mitzvah. In order to be yoyed to the mitzvah of matzah. Whenever Yoytzeh the mitzvah of matzah, Yoytzeh the mitzvah of matzah at the Seder. The Seder. During the week on Pesach, you're allowed to eat matzah or you don't have to eat matzah. There's no chiv to eat matzah on Pesach. The Vilna Gaon says if you were to eat matzah, every time you eat matzah, you Yoytzeh mitzvah. But that's not a, that's not a chiv. The only time that there's a chiv to eat matzah is when we, is that with the Seder, the first night of the Seder. And if you're in Eretz well, Yisrael, there's only one Seder. And if you're in Chutzlaret, so then you'd be uh, eat matzah that was made lishma on the second night as well. So the mitzvah of matzah shmura, according to Rashi, of eating shmura matzah is only at the Seder. That's the only time. The rest of Pesach you do not have to eat shmura matzah according to Rashi. And that's why a katan who makes the matzah would not be, uh, we would not be able to be yoyed to the mitzvah with that matzah because we assume that a katan as, as wonderful as the katan is, does not have the capacity to make Shmura matzah, because when the cotton says the shame matzos mitzvah, Allah says he's not old enough. In order to make it lishma, you have to be a bar chiyuv, you have to be a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah. That's what we're up to. That's according to Rashi. According to Rashi, one more time, just to repeat for a moment. According to Rashi, there's a halacha you have to eat shmura matzah, which means you have to have in mind when you make the matzah, when you need the matzah. And perhaps even further, when you cut the matzah, when you harvest the matzah, you have to have in mind that I'm doing this harvesting. And when you grind the kernels, when you grind the wheat, I'm grinding the wheat. And when I need the, when I need the dough, I'm kneading and I'm grinding and I'm harvesting. I'm doing it all for the purpose of being yaitzah, the mitzvah of matzah. That's called matzah mitzvah. That's called shmura matzah. The rest of the week, you don't have to eat shmura matzah. So if a cotton would come with us to Monroe and roll the matzah and roll the matzah, so we would have two reasons why we'd be able to eat that matzah on Pesach. One is, you only need shmura matzah at the Seder. So as long as you're not eating that matzah at the Seder, and we can see that it's not chametz, we're looking at it, so then you can eat that matzah during the week, number one. Number two, because there's an adult that did all the kneading, and the adult is the one who cut it up into small pieces. And the kids are the ones that are rolling the dough. Maybe the rolling of the dough is not so important that you need it to be done lishma. Again, this is certainly not something that we would want to do lechatchila for the seder, but for during the Pesach, it doesn't seem that would be such an issue. However, that being said, the Mishnah Brewer does say 
there's a minhag of Klal Yisrael to be machmed to eat Shmura Matzah even on Pesach. Even on Pesach. Where does that come from? Rashi never says it. Rashi doesn't say that you need Shmura Matzah on Pesach. But that comes from probably from the Shita of the Rambam. Because the Rambam seems to say that you need Matzah Shmura, you need Shmura Matzah not just at the Seder, but for the whole Pesach. In Shmuramata, not just for the Seder, but the whole Pesach. The only thing is that according to the Rambam, it appears that his Shmuramata is very different than Rashi's Shmuramata. Rashi's Shmuramata is that you make the Matzah the Shem Matzah's Mitzvah. The Rambam Shmuramata is not that you make the Matzah the Shem Matzah's Mitzvah. The Rambam Shmuramata simply is that you have to make sure that it's not Chametz. That's a funny thing. What do you mean make sure it's not Chametz? Of course you have to make sure it's not Chametz. If it's, if it's possible that it's chametz, then you can't eat it. I don't need a special halacha that I have to have shmura matzah to make sure it's not chametz. Of course it's not chametz. If it was chametz, how can I be eating it on Pesach? So it means as follows. Really, if you would look at a matzah, any person who knows anything about matzah, who's a professional, who's in the business, could say, this is not chametz, this is not chametz. You could see there's no bubbles, and you can see that everything is baked, and there's no, there's no non-baked flour. The whole thing is matzah. So you don't really need a hashgacha for matzah. Just look at, look at, look at, it's flour and it's water and that's it. Nothing else has been added. I can see that it's matzah. So the idea of shmura matzah, according to the Rambam, is not that you have to make special matzah, l'she mitzvah matzah. It just means that even though you really can rely on just looking at a matzah and be able to see, this is most probably not chametz. it's probably matzah, there's a special halacha that when it comes to matzah, you need a hashgacha. You need a special hashgacha. It's not enough just to look at the end game. You have to have a hashgacha. And the question is, at what point does that hashgacha begin? So there's a three-way machlokas. There's really a two-way machlokas in the Rishonim. But there's really what we say, a three-way machlokas. Some say that you have to already have a hashgacha on the matzah from the time that it's harvested. Right? The grain, is still, it's still with the straw. It's still growing from the ground. They send people out, Hashgachas send people out to Arizona, and they send Mashgichim out to Arizona, and when they cut the matzah, when they cut the grain from the ground, so they actually say the shame matzos mitzvah. There's only one thing. Do you think that they're actually cutting every matzah with their hand from the ground? Probably not. What they're probably doing is using a big, gigantic combine that cuts thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of grain, of wheat, that's going to be used for the matzah. So probably what they do is that before they start the combine and they press the button and they start driving the combine, they say, shame matzah's mitzvah. I don't know. I could be wrong. I think there's probably very expensive matzahs that you can get where the matzah itself is actually cut by hand. Matzah, it's, it's, it's actually, you actually cut the matzah by hand I think most of the matzahs, even though they're shmura matzahs from the time of harvest, I think most of them, I could be wrong, I'm not sure, but I think most of them are cut by a machine, by a combine. So some say that you need matzah shmura from the time of kitzira, from the time of harvest. Others are not so machmir. Tells us in the beginning of Beit Shadav Gimel, bring two sheets about this, where he says you don't need all the way from kitzira. All you need is at the moment that the grain comes into contact with water, then you are going to have to have kavana l'shem matzos mitzvah. That's called shmura mishas lisha. So one shmura is mishas ktsira, 
And one Shmura is Mishas Lisha. One Shmura is Mishas Tzira. And one Shmura, one, one level less Machmir is Mishas Lisha. The middle position is Mishas Tchina. What's Tchina? Tchina means not when you start to knead the dough, but when you start to grind, you go through the grinding process of the grain. And why would that, the Gemara talks, the Rishonim talk about two positions, Mishas Ktsira and Mishas Lisha. And then some of the Rishonim talk about Tchina. Where did that come from? So probably, I think the Rishonim might even say this clearly, that since at some point they started to grind the wheat with water mills, so then the water already from the time of Tchina came into contact with the wheat. So Lisha and Tchina is basically the same thing. There's no halacha that you need Matzah Shmur from the time of Lisha. There's a halacha that you need Matzah Shmur from the time that the grain starts to come into contact with water. At some point, the grain came into contact with water from the time of kneading. That's when you add the water to knead the grain, the flour into dough. But when they started using mil- water mills, so then, okay, so then obviously, that's when the earliest time when the grain is coming into contact with water. Then you need matzah shmur from the time of Tchina. So what we have so far is we have a sheet of Rashi that the only time you need shmura matzah is at the Seder. And according to the Rambam, you need shmura matzah, which means not that you have to say the shame matzah mitzvah, but you have to have a hashgacha on matzah. It's not enough just to know that it's not chametz. You have to actually have hashgacha. And now there's a shayla, how far back do you go? You have to have matzah shmura from the time of ketzira, from the time of harvesting. You have to have matzah shmura from the time of grinding slash kneading. That's a machlokas. That's the first part of what we wanted to discuss tonight. The idea of shmura matzah. According to the Rambam, shmura matzah is not just at the Seder. It's that you need a special hashgacha. And the Rambam apparently seems to say that you need that for all the days of Pesach, which is why the Mishnah Bruno would say there's a special Indian to eat Shmura Matzah the whole Pesach. While according to the Rashi, there is no Allah of Shmura Matzah all Pesach. Allah of Shmura Matzah is only at the Seder. The rest of Pesach, you do not need Shmura Matzah. That's the first issue. The second issue that always comes up, that's always discussed, and this year it's discussed even more, is the halach of using machine Matzah. Where does that fit in? So the truth is, every single thing that we said regarding hand matzah, applies to machine matzah. Assuming that you hold that machine matzah is kosher, I mean, we have to discuss why it wouldn't be kosher, but assuming that you hold that it's kosher, then you'd have to ask yourself, okay, you need that the matzah shmura be watched or be that the person should have in mind to have kavad l'shem matzah mitzvah from the time of harvesting, or from the time of the needing. What's the shayla of machine matzah? So we know that, it, that already in the 1840s, 1850s, it came out with the first, what we would call machine matzah. It wasn't really a machine matzah. If you, if you remember playing with Play-Doh, or maybe you have a Play-Doh set in your house, which by the way is a shayla of chametz, that's in itself interesting, whether you have to sell the Play-Doh. Why would you have to sell the Play-Doh? Because the Play-Doh, I think, has some, uh, some, some chametz in there. Although the Gemara says that if a person were to take a whole big, um, a whole big um, blob of, of, of sourdough and turn it over and turn it into a seat, he would be allowed to sit on it all of Pesach and get enough from it. So I thought, even though I think some of the posts say that you have to really be careful not to get Hanah or to, and you have to sell the Play-Doh, I thought since you, by definition, 
are buying the Play-Doh and you're using it as a toy. You're not using it as a food. But the same way you, if you take sourdough and you turn it over, this big piece, and you use it as a, as a seat, so you don't have to worry about beer chametz. There's no bayra bayimatze on there because you've been koveya that it's not food. You're not using it as food. You're using it as a seat. So then if you would take Play-Doh, even if it's chametz, and you're using it as a toy, then probably it would not be an issue. But uh, if you have Play-Doh, we'll ask the Shiloh. We'll get into the, we'll have to figure out if that's correct uh, later. But let's get back to our, to our Misa. So the first, uh, the first machine matzah was really like a Play-Doh machine. So you, had, you had dough. So instead of kneading it, kneading it, and kneading it, what they would do is they would put it through one of these machines, and they'd roll the machine, and it would be flattened out. And instead of kneading it forever, they'd flatten out in two seconds. So it's, I mean, it sounds pretty good. I wasn't kneading it like this. I was kneading it by cranking the side, and then the dough just came right out. <coughs> and then, of course, as machinery started to become developed, we have the machines that we have today where you press a button and the whole matz is being kneaded and, uh, and, uh, and, and baked all in, uh, the whole thing is happening in seconds without anybody even rolling. You're not cranking anything, you're just pressing a button. So there are a number of different issues. But nowadays, I think it's fair to say that many, or at least I should say most, of, uh, I don't know, the middle of Yisrael is at least for the Seder to be machmir if we can, to have the, 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 um, the hand matzis. But if a person um, doesn't have hand matzis, so then he should use machine matzis. Rav Shlomo Zaman Orbach um, was machmir to eat machine matzis at the Seder and all of Pesach. He held there was less of a chance of chametz on machine matzis than hand matzis. Person has a minute to use the hand matzahs. He certainly should use hand matzahs. But if a person um, can't get them, so then you see he's allowed to use machine matzahs. But the question is, are the machine matzahs made lishma? Sometimes, if you look at the box of machine matzahs, it'll say machine matzahs shmura, shmura machine matzahs. And sometimes it'll say machine matzahs, and it will not say shmura. But at the same time, it says on the machine matzahs O U P. Oh, you kosher for Passover. So what does that mean? We already said that according to the Rambam, you need Shmura Matzah the entire Pesach. So if it doesn't say Shmura, so does that mean that according to the Rambam, you can't eat those matzahs over Pesach? And besides the fact, according to Rashi, if all you have is machine matzahs, and it doesn't say Shmura, does that mean that you can't use those matzahs at the Seder? Because at the Seder, Rashi says, even Rashi doesn't require Shmura Matzah, all of Pesach, we say that Rashi holds that you can use non-Shmura Matzah on Pesach, but not at the Seder. So I was a little bit confused about how this worked. About two hours ago, I called Rabbi Ganak, and I wasn't able to get through. I got through, but we weren't able to talk. So, okay, I was going to speak about a different topic. I didn't know the answers. I was going to speak about it. Think about a different topic. We were going to continue the halachas of Kashrus. And then um, I had called Rav Neuberger about a different Shiloh, probably about a day ago. And he called me back about an hour and a half ago. So that other Shiloh I already had figured out. But I said, Rav Neuberger, while I have you on the phone, I have to ask you a question about machine matzahs. So we were discussing this sugi of machine matzahs. I discussed with Rav Neuberger about, 15, 20, about an hour and 15, an hour and a half ago. And he explained to me as follows. He explained to me that his understanding is that every machine matzah, let's, I'm, let's say the OUP matzah, it doesn't say shmura, 
by definition, it's all Shmura Matzah. It's all Shmura Matzah. Whether it says Shmura or it doesn't say Shmura, it's all Shmura Matzah. When the machine Matzah says Shmura Matzah, that means that it's Shmura Mishas Ketzira from the harvest. And if it doesn't say Shmura Matzah, it means it's Shmura Mishas, the kneading and the grinding. So that means as follows. If you can get machine Shmura Matzah, certainly not Dovah Manoyim, that's better because then you'd be Yoytza, the Shittos that hold that the Shmura has to be Mishas Ketzira. But if all you have is machine matzah, that's not Shmura, so it's not Miramuvchar, but if a person finds himself in that situation, then he can eat that matzah, not just on Pesach, he can eat that matzah at the Seder. Why? Because it's Shmura matzah, it's made the shame Matzos Mitzvah. They press the button, they say the shame Matzos Mitzvah. That group of Achronim of Poskim hold that pressing the button is enough to be considered that the entire process when a person presses the button of the machine and they say the shame matzos mitzvah, that goes on the entire process. So that goes on the entire process from the kneading or from the grinding on. And therefore, that halacha would be that that would be considered shmura matzah mishats lisha. So halacha lemaisa means as follows. If a person generally eats hand matzah, they should get hand matzah. And by the way, nowadays, all hand matzah is always matzah shmura mishas ktsira. You're not going to find hand matzah mishas lisha. So hand matzah by definition means mishas ktsira, it's shmura, you can eat it the entire Pesach according to everyone, according to Rashi, and, cer- and if, uh, certainly according to Rashi, and even according to the Rambam. It requires matzah shmura, the whole Pesach, hand matzah by definition, nowadays you buy it from Shatzer, from any other place, from Papa, from wherever you buy it from, from Satan, wherever you get the matzah from, going to be shmur, you can eat it the whole Pesach. What about machine matzah? If you hold that machine matzah, you could be yoyed, like Rav Shalom Azam and Orbach, and like the many, many poskim who held that the machine matzah is okay. A person shouldn't think that only a few rare poskim held machine matzah was okay. Some of the greatest gedolim and poskim held the machine matzah was Minha Muvchar. They held it was better. The Reb Chaim Ozer held that you can use machine matzah, and that's in the 1920s. The machines that we have today are a lot better, and there's a lot less chance of comics today than they had 100 years ago. Reb Chaim Ozer held that the machine matzah was okay. Reb Yosef Zechariah Stern held the machine matzah was completely fine. Reb Meir Simcha Akarim and Vince the Orsameh held the machine matzah was acceptable. So they have great Gedalim who held the machine matzah was fine. Reb Shlomo Zaman ate it at the Seder. Many others hold, no, you should have uh, hand matzah. That's probably the role of the postkin of the day. Say the hand matzah is minam muvchar. So what do you do? It depends on your middle. If you get hand matzah, get hand matzah. If you use machine matzah, you should use machine matzah. It's better to get machine matzah than shmura, because that means you're being going to the position that it's shmura mishas katsir from the harvest. But if you can't, to them, we're going to have the hand, they'll have the, sh- the shmura matzah, machine matzah, which even though it doesn't say shmura, it's still shmura mishas Misha, Mishas, Tchina. That's the halacha, that's the halacha part of the shir that I wanted to, wanted to share, that I wanted to share today. I wanted to share today. So let's see what time it is, how much time we have. We have a few minutes for some minyane, minyane machshava with regards to, minyane diyama and regards to Pesach, there's a very interesting Rashi. There's a Rashi in Tanis on Daf Chavtes. Well, Rashi says as follows. The Gemara says, the Mishnah says, Misha nechnas adar marbim besimcha. Misha nechnas adar marbim besimcha. So from the time that adar, 
Rakanda Adar, sorry, one second. I apologize. But the time that Adar sets in, so we have to increase in our simcha. Now, don't think that I, I, I lost, even though I'm inside, we're inside, we still haven't lost um, our senses. We know that we're already in Nisan, right? We're already in Nisan, and we're getting close to Pesach. So why are we still talking about Adar? So the truth is, we're not talking, I'm, I'm talking about Adar. I don't know why that's a question. That we shouldn't be talking about Adar. The reason why we're talking about Adar is because of Rashi says in Tanastav Chavtes. Tanastav Chavtes, I think it's the last Rashi on the page. You have to take a look. From when Adar comes in, a person has to be marbim b'simcha. A person has to be increased in their simcha, in their joy, in their happiness. The Rashi says, Why? Why should we be increasing our simcha from the time that Adar sets in? So Rashi says, because these are days that were miraculous days. Adar had mirac- what, what was miraculous in the month of Adar? That's, that's easy. Purim. So listen to a Rashi. Rashi says, Purim Upesach. Rashi, that last word throws in that the reason why we're so happy in Adar is because when Adar comes, ready from Aleph Adar, we come into contact with the month of both Purim, which of course is in Adar, and Pesach, which is in Nisan. So it's funny that the Farshim all, the Balanachshim all want to know what is Rashi telling us? What is Rashi saying? What does Rashi mean when he says these are days of Purim and Pesach? We know Pesach is after Purim, and it's not Adar, that's already Nisan. So what's the idea that these are days Purim and Pesach? Other interesting minhag that some have, on the second day of Pesach, the Mishnah Guru brings down that there's an Indian to have a special food, have something special on the Yom Sheni de Pesach. Why would there be a special halacha to eat something special on the second day of Pesach? Mishaburah says, because our tradition, the Minog, comes from the fact that our tradition tells us that Haman was hung, Haman was killed on the second day of Pesach. That the enemy, Sarvi Oyev, Haman Harazeh, was killed on Yom Sheni de Pesach. So if you think about what just happened, think about what just happened, is that Rashi and Tanis is dealing with Adar, <coughs> And he feels the need to schlep Pesach into Purim. Right? We're talking about Purim. We're talking about Adar. And Rashi, for some reason, when he's talking about Adar, takes Pesach, which is in a month from Adar, a month from Purim, and he schleps it all the way back into, into Adar, into Purim. He combined Pesach with Purim. And now the Mishnah Buru tells us this minog to eat something special at the second day of, on the second day of Pesach because I think some of the Hasidim even call this the Sudas Haman. It's the Haman Suda. Why? Because Haman was killed on the second day of Pesach. So Rashi and Tanis schlepped Pesach into Purim and the Mishnah Buru schlepped Purim into Pesach. Why are we 
combining these two holidays. They're, they're both nice holidays. What's the idea of being mechaber, of combining, of connecting the two? So we know that the Gemara Megillah, I think it's Davav, Omid Beis tells us in Machlokas, in a year where there's a Shana Mu'beres, so that means there's two others. So when should we keep Purim? When should we read the Megillah? Do you read the Megillah in Adar Rishon or do you read the Megillah in Adar Shani? Adar Rishon, Adar Shani. Adar Shani? Adar Shani. Why? Why? So the Gemara says that there's a position of Rabbi Lozabur of Shimon. The Rabbi of Shimon says that you actually, you actually should <clears throat> read the Megillah in the first Adar, in Adar Rishon. That's what Blazer of Shimon says. Why? Well, the truth is, that's what I would have said as well. That's the natural thing to say. Because it's a halacha ein ma'avirin al ha-mitzvahs. person has an opportunity to do a mitzvah, he shouldn't delay, he should do a mitzvah. Happens sometimes, I have, I have in mind, I have a good shidduch. I, I think of a shidduch. I think of, I meet a, I meet a young man. I know, I know, I have a cousin, a, a young lady. I say, oh, you know, that's a good shidduch. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to for sure make the call tomorrow. I'm, I'm going to get them in touch tomorrow. And then three weeks later, I'm thinking to myself, I know I had a shidduch. I know I, I, know I was thinking of something, but I, 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 I forgot. I, I, I had someone for him, for her. The whole thing is lost. Why? Because I didn't take advantage when I thought of doing the mitzvah. Matter of fact, there's a beautiful, um, well-known Shuva from the Radbaz. Radbaz lived in the 1500s in, in Egypt. I think he spent some time in Tzvas as well. But the Radbaz was asked if someone, some, I think it was a, it was a real Shiloh, someone was in prison, and they, the guards or the government were nice enough to give this prisoner the right, the ability to leave prison for one day during the year. For one day during the year. So they asked the Radbaz, what day should he pick? Should he pick Purim? Should he pick Yom Kippur? Should he pick Pesach? What, 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 what day? It's an interesting question. What day would you pick if you were given one day a year to be out of prison? So the Radbaz answered, you should pick tomorrow, the next day. That day. Who knows what's going to be in six months from now? You can do a mitzvah, you do a mitzvah now. You don't wait. You think of a shidduch, you try to set it up now. You don't wait. You don't delay. If you delay, you forget. It doesn't happen. You have an idea, you jump on it. So would tell us that we should keep Megillah, we should keep Purim on the first day, on the first month, on Adar Rishon. So why do we keep Purim? Why do we read Megillah on Adar Shani? So the Gemara says, because Mismach Geula Legeula. We want to combine, we want to be machaber, we want to connect the Geula of Purim to the Geula of Mitzrayim. We want to connect Purim and Pesach. So that's why we celebrate Purim and Adar Shani in order to connect Purim and Pesach. To connect Purim. Why is it important to connect Purim and Pesach? Why is that important? Why is that necessary? The truth is, if we think about it, the two holidays are exactly the opposite. What we're celebrating is exactly the opposite, but at the same time, they're, exact, they're, they're the same thing. They're as opposite as they are. That's how the same they are. We know that Purim was a miracle that was hidden. Hashem's name not mentioned in the Megillah. It was a Nes Nistar, Nisim Nistarim. And we know, of course, that the miracle that we're coming upon now in just a few days, a week, a week and a bit, 
is the Yom Tov of Pesach was all about Misim Gluyim. The Rabbim writes when a person tells over the story, there's a Chiv to tell over the Nisim Gluyim, not just to say that we left Egypt. They say that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did great miracles for us. The Rashi is telling us, and the Mishnah is telling us, the reason why we have to combine, why we want to combine Purim and Pesach is to remind us of what the Ramban says in the end of Parashas Boat. That although by us, although by us it appears that certain things seem miraculous, and certain things seem very natural, in truth, by the Rabbanu Shalom, they're the same thing. It's not more difficult for Hashem to create a Kriyas Yamsuf than for Him to do uh, the miracle of, of Purim. For Him to create the miracle of Purim. It's not more difficult. A Nisnister and a Nisnigla, from our perspective, look very, very different. But the Gemara tells us, Mismach Gula Lagula means we have to connect these two miracles, these two types of miracles, so that a person shouldn't think that they're different. They're actually the same. The, it's hard to call these last few weeks, which have been the most difficult of our lives as a nation, as a world, <clears throat> the suffering that's taking place, we're all aware of by so many families and so many communities, including our own. But we have to remember that as difficult as it is and as easy as it is for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to do Kriyas Yamtsuf and Dam Tzvardeya Kinim Orov Makas Bechoros, the same thing for him to take away a, uh, a Magaifa. If, if Hashem is ready to do it, I'm sure you heard Rabbi Friend's amazing, beautiful, very powerful shir. At this point, Hashem, when we're ready, he'll be ready. There's no difference in Purim Pesach means that now we have to remember that when we breathe and we get up in the morning, that's also a miracle. Sometimes we forget that. When we're celebrating Purim and there's a nice nister and everything's happening naturally, we have to know that Kadesh Baruch Hu, just like that, can do an open miracle. Can make this thing come to an end in a snap. To find a vaccine, to find a cure, it can happen in a moment. And we have to remember on Pesach, when we're experiencing the great miracles of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, that when we go back to nature, that's also a miracle. It's also a miracle. These are all miracles, all nisim, all great gifts that we have from the Rabbana Shalom, Be'ezras Hashem, all those who need Rafua Shalemas, and there are many who need Rafua Shalemas, all those who need Rafua Shalemas, Hashem should grant them. For those of us who are healthy, we should stay healthy, and with Hashem's help, we should all be zarecha to celebrate this Pesach, with the Mashiach said, Kano Besam Migdash Mehra Vyamenu Amen. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.